Before we get started with today's podcast, I wanted to let you know that the best way for us to get in front of more people and to really change this profession is to have you like and share and subscribe to this podcast. So if you have found value from it and you know anyone else that could benefit from it, please like, share, subscribe. Um, this episode, we have Dr. Victory on here, the coolest name in chiropractic, as I like to say. Uh, he's got an interesting story for some of you guys out there who are potentially graduating and looking to know what to do, if you should purchase a practice or if you should uh, start your own or get an associateship. Victory has a really cool story in that he was an associate, joined our program to understand business, and then found actually a practice to purchase. He's the first person uh, that's been interviewed and the only one in our group other than like our own team that has purchased a practice. So if you had thought about purchasing a business as a rehab Cairo from potentially an older school chiropractor, this would be a great episode for you to pay attention to. Victory is an amazing guy. Um, and I really, he's going to have amazing success. Trust me on that. He's got the demeanor for it. He's a likable person. He has the calmness. He's going to build a really, really world-class team down in Philadelphia. So I hope you enjoy. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Business School for the Rehab Chiropractor. Class is officially in session. My name is Justin Rabinowitz, and I am a rehab chiropractor on a mission to teach you, a fellow rehab chiropractor, the exact tools and systems I've used to build my own successful rehab chiropractic practice so you can do the same. I hope you enjoy, and please subscribe. All right, we have another special guest, Dr. Victory, who is a member of our Rehab Chiropractic Mastermind. He's been one of the OGs, one of the originals, and Victory is his real name. So Dr. Victory, the coolest name in chiropractic, give us a little bit of intro bio on who you are and where you came from. Appreciate the intro. My name is Victory. I was born in London. A lot of people can't guess, they can't pinpoint that accent out because I only lived there for six years. So whatever English accent I had was long gone when, you know, me and my family moved out to the States. My parents were born and raised in Nigeria. So, you know, I grew up in that culture, learned their native language as well as English growing up. Moved out to the States when I was six years old. And we basically lived within the Philadelphia area ever since. Grew up in the Philadelphia area, went to college in Philly at Drexel, and then Moved out to Chicago where I did my chiropractic training out in National University. And then after four years out there, ultimately moved back home where I was working as an associate at a practice out in Wayne, outside of Philadelphia. And I did that for about two and a half years before ultimately deciding to go out on my own. I wanted to be closer to Philadelphia because there were a lot of people who wanted to come see me that just was too far, too out the way, just in general as well, you know, always wanted to have my own practice. And the experience that I got being an associate definitely was valuable in helping me to gain more of that experience and confidence to be able to do that. So that's pretty much it. And then, of course, the practice that I have now, I didn't start from scratch. I took it over from a retiring chiropractor, purchased it, and have just been trying to grow it ever since. Beautiful. Love it. Good intro. So went to national, graduated, did the associateship. And you and I met, I think you were still an associate. And I know you weren't like ready to leave, but I think it's like most of us, we sort of get into an associateship always with the idea eventually we're going to leave. 
But I remember when we started talking, the thought actually for you, I remember, was that you were just going to hang up a shingle and open up your own spot. So I think this is interesting because you're the first guest and you're actually the first member of our program who has purchased a practice other than myself who purchased a practice, but the first member of the program. And so I think this is an interesting point for the students out there or new grads or associates. Take me inside the thought process on you were going to start your own and then there was an opportunity. So what happened? How did that play out? Yeah, the initial thought process was just starting my own, finding like an office space that I could just, like everybody else, just rent out and build from there. But then I found this opportunity to purchase this practice from the ad that the retiring chiropractor put out. I was just being open-minded, you know, I was like, yeah, let me go check it out. It's in an area that I was looking into and the location was just perfect. And I met with the guy, checked out the office space and the setting was just pretty much perfect. You know, I was like, yeah, I definitely got to go for this. And I also recognized the ease into it, you know, obviously having clients or patients on deck already versus completely starting from scratch is always a nicer situation to be in. So, you know, it was an opportunity that presented itself kind of on a perfect timing type of thing. I just went with it. Awesome. It's interesting. As I've gotten deeper into the business world outside of chiropractic, I seem to run into more and more air quote entrepreneurs that have the exact mindset that you did. Most of us think entrepreneurship is you start something from scratch and build and grow, and that is an option. But what I've found over and over again is there are many who did what you did that said it's a more viable option to buy something that already exists that if I can come in and add a little of my own flavor to it with something that's already there, now I can get going a lot faster than if I had to start it from scratch. And I think the thing to recognize that you don't have, which is great, is the ego. Because there are so many people that would have just gone and do their own thing for no other reason than they want to do their own thing. And they don't want to buy someone else's practice and they want to say they started from scratch. But for you, I think one of the traits that you have that I recognize is that, again, it's a lack of ego to say, what's the best situation for the business and for myself as a practitioner, even if it wasn't what I originally intended it to be. And you're kind of not emotional towards either one. It was just like, this is a great opportunity. Let me take advantage of it. Exactly. Adding on to what you said, also seeing the opportunity that I had to add value to the practice, right? The guy I took it over from, he was in his 70s, old school, and I knew that I had a different type of style as a rehab chiropractor that a lot of people would appreciate more. Another point, which this is so valuable to the students or new grads out there, because I think one of the issues is a lot of us in the rehab space don't want to purchase an existing practice because exactly what you just said, it's an old school guy that does old school things. And the reality, which we found as well, because we did a very similar thing to you of absorbed a practice, was that it was just that the patients, they didn't even know it existed. And when we presented it to them, they're like, oh my God, this is amazing, right? Right. Same exact reaction. Yep. That you can do rehab and do hands-on work and do soft tissue. And it wasn't that these people were like, straight chiropractic patients. It was just that that was all they knew. And so you had the opportunity there to go in and add value in that way. Now, the other part that I think is interesting for the audience is so many people think of me as sort of the cash-based rehab guy. And I like to tell people I'm not cash or insurance. It's just whatever works for the business model. 
And in your situation, what you inherited is a mostly insurance-based practice. And so talk to the audience about the transition there, because I know you always thought I'm just going to be cash from the start, but what you inherited was not a cash-based practice. So how has that been to be with insurance and doing that whole situation? It hasn't been that big of a challenge, I would say, because the practice that I was an associate for, we were insurance-based pretty heavily. So I kind of already knew how to handle being in an insurance-based practice. So the transition wasn't that difficult for me, I would say probably because I didn't come from a cash-based practice. I understand that it's something that I want to get into, and it probably would have been harder if I came from just taking cash to now having to wait three to four weeks to get paid. That would definitely have made it a harder mental transition probably. But the fact that right out the gate, and even right now, I would say my practice is kind of like a hybrid. Like I have majority of patients that use insurance, probably a good, maybe 70%, but a good 30 is paying cash as well. So I'm pretty much making it work both ways, especially with some of the tactics that I learned from being in your group. You know, I think the part that's interesting, and you don't have to obviously go into the actual numbers, but 70-30 could be like seven patients have insurance and three patients have pay with cash, don't have insurance. But what we find oftentimes is even when people come into our coaching program and take insurance, still more than half of their revenue is still cash because of high deductibles and co-pays and some people don't have insurance. And so I believe we are all in some version of a cash business And the more that time goes on, I don't expect that to change in the positive for insurance. Every single one of us at one point will be a cash-based practice. I don't know if it's tomorrow. I don't know if it's in 2024. I don't know if it's in 2030. Again, I only teach what I believe and what I've done. And since the day I opened, you can talk to Lauren who started with me in 2016 or 17. We were an out-of-network practice at the time. And I said, one day we'll be 100% cash. And so we have to treat the business that way, which means we have to understand how to market. We have to understand how to do sales training. We have to understand how to quote unquote, sell at a higher price because someone could pay $10 down the street. And whether you are charging 70 or you're charging 300, it's going to be more money either way. And if you don't know how to communicate that, you're going to be in trouble. I think that to your point, one of the things that you've done so well is to take the concepts and say, all right, if this person has insurance, it is what it is. That's easy. But I still get 30%. And you know, the other tactical thing, one of the things when you bought the practice, you weren't credentialed with all the insurance. So the only way that you made money in the beginning was by being cash. So right. if you didn't know that, I've had people before not do our program and say, oh, I'm not ready yet because I'm doing insurance or like I've got to go test it out first. In theory, if you did that and you just took a break and didn't learn any of this, you'd be struggling right now because you weren't in insurance networks for a while and you had to be cash, correct? Right. People don't think about that stuff. People don't consider that at all. Talk to us about you inherited a practice that's kind of more traditional. Give us some of the downsides potentially that you face. Now, it's important to clarify the doc that you bought from is not what we would consider like a crazy quack Cairo. He's just old school. Like there is a distinction there. Like we're not believing that subluxation cures cancer type of stuff. That would be challenging for you to take over. Just more of an old school guy. So give us a little bit more detail for someone out there of what the old doc did and potentially like what you've kept the same and what you've changed in the rehab setting? First of all, one thing that made it easy 
in terms of transition wise was the time he spent with patients, right? So he would book people out for 30 minute visit slots, which was perfect because that's the background that I was used to and the amount of time that I wanted to work with patients as well. So it was just a matter of what he did in the room versus what I do. So what he did, you know, obviously with adjusting and he would do heavy modalities. He had an activator, he had ultrasound, and then would do like some light soft tissue massage kind of work versus what I do. In addition to adjusting, I go more into details with like the assessment. I really try to get patients to understand why they have been having the issue they were having, having that rehab chiral background, which he didn't really have. So a lot of them during the transition process, I was kind of shadowing him, seeing what he was doing for each of these patients. And I would see some of them come in still kind of frustrated because while they were getting treatment, they weren't really understanding exactly what is going on. And no knock to him, just he didn't really explain it in kind of a way that we understand functional anatomy because he just didn't really take that type of training. And so when I came in and helped them work on those issues, they were more happier, for lack of a better word, because I was able to kind of explain it to them. Of course, I couldn't do it right then during that transition process because I didn't want to step on his toes. You know, he's still the man. He's their doctor. I'm just kind of the fly in the wall watching what's going on. I would say there wasn't a ton of downsides. There were definitely more pros than cons if anything, when it came to the whole transition process and even continuing care with those patients. Till this day, pretty much all the patients that were actively seeing him have continued to actively see me and it's been great. That's probably the most important point in this whole process is what you just said about retaining the patients. It sounds obvious, but not really. I've run into people that have purchased practices and didn't really love either the patients that were there or the style of practice. And they sort of not like said, get out of my practice, but they didn't pay attention to them. And it was like, they kind of just fell off. And what I remember talking to you about early on was don't forget what you're buying. You're buying those patients. And if you don't keep them, then you should have just started on your own. And so the goal here, and again, you can speak to it more on a philosophical standpoint, the goal is in the beginning is to do whatever it takes to keep the people there. Because if not, then we shouldn't have bought the practice in the first place, right? Mm-hmm. We did the same thing in my directive. And it was funny. I had just completed the practice purchase and absorbed a practice. Very similar. The guy blocked a half an hour out, had a successful practice, slowly sort of decreased hours and was looking to get out. It was a very, very similar situation. And when we did this, I remember sitting down with my team I said to them, my only goal is to make our money back on the investment. After that, we can kind of do whatever we want. And basically what that meant was that we don't change anything yet. And so we have our practice, Strive to Move, runs very differently. We do rehab with patients. We book plans of care. There's a lot of things that happen. The people that we purchased, the practice we purchased, they weren't used to that. And so we don't come in the door as an investor, so to speak, as a practice purchaser and immediately say, all right, everyone's either on board or they're off. No. In fact, we do nothing. We try to do absolutely nothing. We try to just get those people to say, I get to go to the same place. We actually were in the same space. We want to do exactly what the other doctor did. We want to build the other doctor up. We want to tell him to build us up. And we just want to keep the people that we've got. 
our goal in buying the practice was we wanted to retain 80% of the patients. We thought that if we could retain 80% of the patients for a period of time, we would at minimum get our money back. And so when you look at, again, buying a practice, it's important to understand what you're actually buying and then what we have to do to get there. Because you could have gone in there and been like, these people need rehab, they need all of this, and gone in there like a bat out of hell and scared these people off. And that's where I think a lot of the strategy comes in, which you and I spent time having those conversations about of like, all right, let's have a good solid plan here. What's the goal? How many do we want to keep? What's going to make it worth our investment here? At this point, realistically, if some of them left, you'd be fine. We don't want them to leave, obviously. But we needed to sort of bridge that gap for a period of three, six, nine months until victory could sort of, quote unquote, bring on his own patients. And again, I think it's important to sort of remember that. This is tactical, but where did you find the practice purchase? Yeah. So it was on the Chiropractic Association. For Pennsylvania. For Pennsylvania, yeah. So that's one thing that everybody should be a part of, like in their state, their chiropractic association, because there's so many opportunities you'll see in terms of that, in terms of equipment, whatever the case may be. And so I found it there and jumped on it. I've kicked around with myself quite a few times of I was listening to a podcast the other day and there was a lady on there who she was not in chiropractor. She was just a business person and she would go and buy small businesses of any sort. One of the things she talked about was a lot of people, and this is kind of silly to think about, but it's true. A lot of people don't even realize that their business is sellable. And if you went and presented them with an opportunity to like get them out, so to speak, it might be the best thing that ever happened to them. It could be mutually beneficial. And so I guess for me, the point is if there's students out there or associates, and this is something you're interested in, potentially the practice that might be the best deal or the one that is for sale might not actually be on the market. And I think what you saw and sort of what I saw was a very similar situation in that the practice owners at the time, they actually still liked seeing patients and they liked doing it. And realistically, like the money was decent, but like they didn't need it anymore. They were pretty comfortable at that point. And a lot of the reason why they stuck around is because they were actually most concerned about abandoning their patients. And they actually felt bad. And so you coming in did this guy such a solid because, again, some of those patients I bet have been with them 20, 30, God knows how many years. And realistically, yeah, sure, he's going to get some money for the purchase, but like that's not going to help him retire. What he is going to get is knowing that he can sort of walk away and his patients are taken care of. And I think that that's a part that we don't recognize that, yeah, it is money for sure. You're buying the practice for a price. I know the number that you paid. And if that guy's not going to be able to live off of that, so there was a lot more to it than that. And I think we don't consider that. It's like, well, oftentimes they say with employees, the best employees to hire are the ones that aren't looking for jobs. And potentially the best practices to purchase aren't the ones on the market. And so you're happened to be in it. And it is a great situation that you've gone into. So let's transition to this. Obviously, it is a bit of a different model than you're used to and that you envision. And right now, we're not going to do anything as far as like changing the business model. Do you think over time that you will transition to a more like as we run a cash-based rehab model? Or if it stays the same like it is, you're good to just sort of go and build it like it's going? I would say right now, I'm probably just going to play it by ear, but eventually definitely can envision it being more in a cash-based model just because there's just something about being able to kind of make your own rules in a sense as opposed to having to play the game right when you take insurance yeah you have to kind of play by their rules and by that game and by their model 
And I can totally see that transitioning to a phase where more and more chiropractors will want to get up out of that situation. So yeah, definitely can see myself eventually becoming more of a predominantly cash-based model. So let me ask you this. You are in our group and logically we have three insurance-based practices. The rest are all cash-based, that type of thing. Logically, someone would say to you, well, you don't need to be in the group because you're taking insurance. Why do you choose to still be in the group? Well, because it's more about the business practices, right? Like the strategies that you teach in terms of communication, right? In terms of getting patients in the door. And also, like I said, there's some people that don't have insurance as well. So it's important to be able to thoroughly communicate with that 30% or even if it's 15, 20% on how to get them through the door based off of the practices that you guys teach. And like I said before, just the business part of the game in terms of just running a practice, running a business like you guys teach, I think that's super valuable. You know, I remember you talking to me or saying this in one of the convos you mentioned on how you have your average student that spends hours and hours going to all these seminars, working on their treatment techniques. But then you ask them how much time have they spent actually learning how to run a business, and it's not even comparable. And I see how much of that business insight that you put into it, which has been very valuable. Good. Give us some more tactical examples. What is maybe one to two takeaways that you've taken away that maybe you wouldn't have known if you weren't like involved in it? One of them being just the psychology of certain patients, you know, how they can say one thing when it comes to price and paying out of pocket, and then it can completely change just off of a simple strategy. So one of them being having them come for a visit, like a quote unquote free visit, but not really. You're just pretty much letting them get an insight of what it would look like to get treatment in a sense, right? Because you're going through an assessment, you're talking to them, which is something that most people wouldn't do. Like if you're going to come see me, you're going to pay me. That's kind of the mentality. But you guys have this mentality where let them come see you so that they can get an idea of what exactly is going on, which a lot of people wouldn't give for free technically. But I've seen how a lot of patients respond to that and actually book just because of that time you spend in helping them to understand exactly what's going on with them. Gotcha. I think what's interesting too is the way you're speaking about it. We didn't mention the word cash or insurance because at the end of the day, like the people that we're dealing with are people, whether they have insurance, don't have insurance, we take it or not, it doesn't actually matter because people are people. And so Victory, what he's talking about there is the idea that in general, we just build the business around the fact that we know people are skeptical. People don't know what's going on mostly with their own body. They definitely don't know what a chiropractor does. They definitely don't know what a rehab chiropractor does. And they definitely have zero idea of if we can actually help them. And so because of that, and we have empathy for them, we do a quote free session. But as we talk about, it isn't necessarily free because if you really want to break it down, if you get 10 people in for a free session and realistically, if you charge them, maybe three would stay and now seven stay, was it actually free? Or 
were there people on there that we thought that we would not have been able to help if not for that free session? I don't know if I mentioned in the last podcast, but I had one of our clients email us and say, I don't want to do a free session. Talk me out of it. <laughs> like, All right, I'll try, but it's not free. We build it into the back end. It's part of the process and the system. And again, it's about having empathy, right? We live in this world where I think we've gone to school and the professors don't give away your services, value yourself. It's like, okay, I will value myself. And I'm also going to value the patient. I'm going to have empathy for the patient and let them know and recognize that, yes, it is expensive. And yes, we do something different. And yes, I understand why you might not want to spend your time and money with me. And because of all that, that's why we give away a free session. And I think that's the bit that most people don't really understand. They're living in such a tactical world of, let me treat this patient and get $75. And they never move beyond that. For me in the coaching, what I try to do is stay away from the tactical answers of, should I do a discovery visit or not? It's like, hold on, let's have a conversation of what it's actually for and why we're doing it. And then you know what, Victory, you get to decide. We had that conversation. We just got off of a mastermind call. It's exactly what I said. I said, in certain situations, it might work for your business. In certain situations, it might not. I don't actually care what you do. I want you to be successful in your practice. I want your patients to have a good experience with you. And whatever way that manifests itself, and if it's different than mine, just tell me because I want to know. So I think amazing points on your end about the insights that you've seen. Talk about a major victory, bad word choice or good word choice. <laughs> What's a big win for you since opening your practice? What's a big win that you've had? A big win. Well, the biggest was the patient retention. You know, like we talked about, we pretty much set a number on what percentage of patients do we aim to keep. And I totally have probably blown through that pretty easily. And then I guess just the growth. I think one of the big wins to kind of interject here is that month zero, you were already making a profit. Like you were making money in the business, right. which a lot of businesses don't do forever. And you did that day one, right? Month one, you were making money. And so you were paying your loan payment, you were paying all the other expenses of it, and you were still had money left over, which is the biggest accomplishment, right? Yeah, definitely. I don't know how I missed that one. <laughs> I think, again, part of it is we said the rich kid syndrome a little bit. You've had a lot of success. And so you don't know what it's like to not make money for a while or to be under the eight ball, which is great. And now we've just got to ride this and continue to grow it. I know you said everything's gone relatively well, but I guess let me phrase the question different. If you were talking to Victory in fifth try of chiropractic school, what would you tell him to watch out for? Or what's something that you didn't expect owning a business that you didn't know that you wish you did? I would say the first one is to see if you can find a mentor, somebody that's done it before, because getting some kind of insight in that standpoint is also valuable. Let's go into that. So obviously you're with us. What are some maybe decisions that you actually made or avoided because of being with a coach and a mentor that maybe you didn't know before when you purchased it? One decision I made or one thing that I almost did was not take every insurance group, right? I was so excited that I was going to have my own business. I was like in the mentality, like, okay, I'm going to model it exactly how I want. But you kind of were like, look, even though you have a predominantly cash-based practice group, you are helping me to think like, look, we want to make sure we maximize on the investment here. 
and not just cut off all the insurance groups. You want to take them all because, you know, as most chiropractors know, a lot of these insurance groups pay pretty shitty (laughs) to chiropractors, but the game when you purchase a practice becomes just maintaining the patient. So that has to just be by any means necessary. And then as we go along later on, we can decide to cut some of them off. So that helped me from making like an emotional decision, you would say, as opposed to like more of a logical one. And then what else I would say to look out for is just to make sure you're on top of everything. A lot of the credentialing headache that I had was just mostly because I was trying to rely on other third-party entities to help with that process. And then something got lost out of touch with the conversation, with the language that was supposed to be said for some of the credentialing process that made it take longer than it should have. That might be the two biggest things. Those are big. I think those are huge. So you're doing well and we enjoy, obviously love having you in the program. What would you say to somebody that was considering joining that's maybe listening to the podcast, but not sure if it's right for them? What would advice would you give them? One advice I would give them is have a conversation, right? That's the first step. I think having a conversation with you to understand exactly where they're at and what they aim to get to is always the first step rather than just kind of listening to your podcasts and your stuff on social media and kind of feel like they get an idea of what you're all about just off that. Just having that first initial conversation with you was a big intro into exactly what you are and how you do things. One reason I would tell them to try you out is because you just have a good system, right? You have a good system that works, which is what everybody looks for in practice which is why we take a bunch of ton of seminars because we're looking for a system to treat patients. Like what's a good system to assess people? What's a good system to treat people? No matter what condition they come in with, right? You also need to apply that same mentality in business. What's a good system that will help me bring patients in the door? What's a good system that will help me to improve how I'm charging or how I'm valuing my services, you know, the whole nine yards when it comes to the business side of the game, when it comes to chiropractic practice, your system, the proof is in the pudding, you know, you have a whole group catered to just that helping other chiropractors like us, that's rehab chiropractors to build their business. And it takes more than just technique. Excellent. Victory, this was fantastic. You know, before I let you kind of give your information, if people want to get in touch with you, I just wanted to tell you, I think the people that have had the most success in our group typically have a couple of traits. One of them is they consistently show up and they participate. And Anna always tells me you're emailing her asking for things, which is we encourage, right? We create a product and a system for you to be able to take advantage of. And some people actually don't take advantage of it enough. You've been to our office, you ask us for the information, you ask us for our flyers and our pricing sheets and all the different things that are necessary. And what I think is important to recognize is that is a skill because a lot of people, even if they're in the group and they pay for it, they often don't utilize it to the best of their ability. And one of the things I've recognized for you early on is that you're very introspective, you're very willing to do the work and show up. I think that's going to serve you super well. I see a lot of myself in you, pretty calm, just stable. 
And what that lends itself well to long term is growing a big team if that's what you want, because people、yeah. are going to be drawn to your personality and you're going to be the guy that everyone's going to look at when things are crazy that they're going to say, all right, if victories come, I'm going to become. That's a trait and a quality that not everybody has, and you definitely do. So that's an amazing thing to have and why I think you're going to just continue to grow and be so successful in what you've done and what you are going to do. And more than that, again, like I said, I remember telling you this because I've told it only two or three times. Most people end up to me with the equivalent of having like 10 out of 10 back pain, where like it was getting bad, it was getting bad, it was getting bad. And then finally, it's like one day they decided that they needed to fix it in our office. In coaching, it's the same thing. Most people are in business and business and business, and it's not good, it's not good, it's not good, it's not good. And then one day, shit hits the fan, and then they call me. And I think that it is another skill and a trait. That you literally started the program while you were still an associate. It's like you knew that one day I was going to be here. And before you didn't make an excuse of like, well, I'm not there yet. Let me go try to do this or let me try to buy it first and then implement later. You went in and said, no, 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 I have goals and I want to start that process now. And the idea of learning business skills early on, you valued enough to invest even before you had a problem, which I can't stress that enough. That is not normal. Most people wait till they're 500 pounds before they go on a diet. They wait until they have a heart attack before they start exercising. They wait till their back is 10 out of 10 pain before they seek out care. The people that I believe are the most successful are not the ones that wait, that are proactive. They don't wait to see how it goes on their own. They don't wait to try to do some things. They actually take action and they preemptively do things before it becomes a problem. So I'm impressed by you. I admire what you've done so far. I admire where you're going to be. You're a huge member of our community. And I can't thank you enough for the value that you've provided me and the support in everything that we've done. So thank you. Thank you. Appreciate you, the group, everything that you're doing. So you are in the suburbs of Philly, but if someone wants to reach out and has questions about your practice or what you do or wants to talk to you, tell us where they can find you. My office is right outside Philly, like you said, just about 10, 15 minutes out. They can reach me on my website at victorychiropracticandperformance.com for more information. It has the office address and more of what I do on there, my social media information, which, you know, if they want to follow me, is at Dr. Victory DC, or you can follow the Victory Cairo and Performance Instagram page as well. Pretty much just go on my website, everything is there. It'll make it simpler and easier. Beautiful. I love it,、yeah. man. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. And if you found this content valuable, here are four ways I can help you for free. One, grab a copy of my free guide, The Rehab Chiropractor's Checklist. You can get that at go.drjustinrabinowitz.com slash guide. That's go.drjustinrabinowitz.com slash guide. Two, go ahead and give me a follow on Instagram at Justin Rabinowitz, where I post business content. Three, subscribe to my weekly newsletter by sending me an email at coaching at strive to move.com. And four, leave us a five star review so we can gain access to more influential people and bring those lessons back to you. Thank、you